Welcome to the brand new Patriots and Pinstripes podcast, the official podcast of the New York Yankees AA affiliate Somerset Patriots. And the Patriots have won it! Somerset! My name is Mark Schwartz. On this show, I'll cover all things Somerset Patriots and New York Yankees, from the organizational structure all the way down to the prospects, the AA Northeast League, and everything in between. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Somerset coming off their biggest series of the season, and things worked out pretty well against the Bowie Bay Sox. We'll break that down. Also looking forward to Somerset's split series with the Hartford Yard Goats, how that'll play out, and a quick check-in on the ballpark as well. That's all coming up next on the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Who wants to play baseball? Let's go! Yes, sir! Woo! Welcome back, Brandon Pelter with Mark Schwartz. And Mark, we set the stage going into last week, but that that was going to be the biggest series of the season. It certainly was, and it ends up with Somerset taking four, four of six. They now have that second place position, a game and a half up on Bowie. How did things play out in front of your eyes? Yeah, it was. Uh, it certainly had a bit of a postseason feel, and I think contributing to that, first of all, was the uh, slightly cooler temperatures. Uh, so it sort of has that late season kind of vibe. And everyone with Bowie knew uh, going into the series that you know that was a big one. I got a chance to speak with uh, Somerset Patriots manager Julio Mascara a little bit uh, after the first game of the series, and uh, you know he kind of echoed the same sentiments that you know this was an important one that his head is on the playoffs. Everyone's thinking about the playoffs. Everyone's aware of it and aware of the importance. And, you know, he said going into the series that their goal was to take four of six. Because you take four of six, not only are you leaving with, you know, a quote-unquote tiebreaker, even though that's not really going to play into an effect because Bowie is supposed to play all 120 of their games. Somerset is only going to play 119. Uh, But – what allows you to do is it allows you to leave a game and a half up on that second playoff spot. Because if you split the series, then you figure that's kind of a two-game difference because you're, you're taking one win away and you're adding one loss. So a 3-3 split has Somerset a half game back of Bowie. But a 4-2 series win has Somerset a game and a half up going into a series against a team with the worst record in the league. So that was always the strategy. That was always the goal, to take four of six. And there were moments where it seemed like that was not going to be the case uh, this series. But I think Somerset fans can feel confident leaving this series knowing that, at least in my opinion, the Patriots are a better team than Bowie and the better team won the series this past week. Kind of recapping the week here quickly. Somerset in an absolute shootout, probably the craziest game of the season to open things up on Tuesday. It was a 13 to 10 win then they were rained out on wednesday so they double dipped thursday with a win in game one three to two a loss in game two seven to four they lost the next game six to three but then they closed out the series with those two crucial wins did you notice any different uh, way in the sense of how the game was managed by julio i mean i know you said the weather kind of gave things a playoff feel but did it seem like his approach was a little different during the week um, I don't, I don't know if I would say it was entirely different. I mean, the main thing that stood out to me over the course of the week was the bullpen and the way that the bullpen operated. I mean, looking at from the beginning of the week to the end of the week, 
you know, there was Sean Boyle that needed to come in on that Tuesday game because Ken Waldachuk got, uh, got hit hard, allowing seven runs over an inning and a third. And Boyle did a tremendous job going four and two-thirds innings and basically saving the bullpen for the rest of the week. We've seen times, Brandon, um, throughout the course of the year where Julio has been a little bit more on schedule with his use of the bullpen, where if certain guys need to get work at certain times, then, you know, regardless of the situation of the game, there's a good chance that they're going to get some work. I would say, by and large, this week, that didn't at least seem like the case. Now, there was a couple of games that just kind of fell in line with what you'd want to see in regards to a starting pitcher going six and then having a very clear path towards the end of the ball game. But, you know, we had the doubleheader on Thursday. Uh, so each of those games only saw one Patriots relief pitcher. Uh, Zach Green threw in game two. And then, it, oh, actually, the Patriots had two relief pitchers in game one, Kevin Gadea and Addison Russ. Uh, but the rest of the week, you know, there was basically just lining up the bullpen, pitching well, Gomez and Loski on Friday, uh, Valdez and Ernst. By the way, Jeffrey Valdez has been brilliant this week. He is, I think it's now three straight appearances in which he is not allowed to run. The last two appearances this week, perfect, like a perfect five innings of relief while striking out like five or six. He's been really, really good. And I don't think enough people are talking about the significance that Jeffrey Valdez has given towards the back end of this bullpen. And then Nick Ernst is the team's closer. Addison Russ and Nick Ernst will be like a one and one a in terms of closing roles, but Ernst is the team's closer, and Julio made that pretty apparent. And it just has more of that vibe towards the end of the game that he is putting in pitchers to finish out the game and win as opposed to just aligning pitchers to get across the finish line and make sure that everyone gets work. You touched on the starters a little bit. It's hard for me to recall if there was any other series where there was such disparity in what we saw from starters. Johnny Brito, who threw his first couple starts with Somerset, was electric, but he got hit hard, seven runs over five innings of work. Sean Semple, six runs over just three innings. Ken Waldachuk, five earned runs, seven total, over just an inning and a third. That was the bad. The good, though, was really good. Luis Medina, two runs through four and two-thirds, just one walk. He struck out 10. He's put together a really strong month of August. Randy Vasquez continues to shove in double-A just to run in six innings of work. And then Hayden Wisniewski back on track to start September with two runs over six innings. I mean, just two – there's a clear fork in the middle of the road, and these two sides were totally opposite. We haven't really seen that because we've seen such consistent pitching all year long. Yeah, no, we, we haven't seen that at all. And, it, and it's weird, right, because Sean Semple has probably been the team's best pitcher. I mean, we, we've talked about that ever since he's call up back in late July. I mean, Wesneski had a tremendous month of August as well. But Semple, I think, we both felt very confident when he's on the mound. Brito's been really strong when he's been at home. I think one of the consistent trends for a lot of these starting pitchers has been struggling early in the ball game in that first inning and that second inning. And then the Patriots, at least over the last three series, it feels like they've consistently had to play from behind. And that is not easy to do, uh, especially against a tough schedule that the Patriots have gone up against. This week was somewhat similar in the struggles. I mean, Waldachuk allowed those seven runs over an inning and a third. Somerset had to play from behind. And eventually they had their biggest come-from-behind win of the season. But in their losses, the Patriots were still falling behind early. Uh, for Sean Semple, he allowed six runs over the first two innings. 
And then the Patriots did not allow run the rest of the game uh, because their bullpen has been so good. But they were trailing early, and it made it difficult to come from behind. For the Johnny Brito game, he allowed two runs in the bottom of the first after Somerset had taken one nothing lead, and Somerset was, again, trailing early. And they uh, tried to come back. They got close, but uh, ultimately were not able to, you know, get back over the hump. So, you know, for this starting rotation, it's so important uh, to have these strong starts because the way the bullpen is pitching, they've been locked, they've been locked down, right? So, like, I was talking about it during the Sunday broadcast. If you're able to have a starter go out, toss five, six innings, allow two runs with the power that's in this lineup, basically feels like anybody who steps to the plate has, a, has the ability, has the opportunity to hit a home run and change the complexion of a ball game. And in the way that the bullpen is pitching right now, I mean, this bullpen was head and shoulders better than Bowie over the last week. So if you're able to get a strong start and you marry that with the power in the lineup and the strength, the back end of the bullpen, this team is set up really well. It's just about making sure those starting pitchers have those good starts. But when you look at the starting rotation, everyone is fully capable, right? We've seen Waldachuk impress. Wisniewski had some struggles when he first came to AA, uh, but he had a really good month of August. Vasquez has been impressive in his two starts. We've seen Brito pitch very well. Sean Semple has been impressive. Um, and Luis Medina has arguably the best stuff out of anybody when he puts it all together. So the elements are there. The pieces are in place for Somerset to have a strong end-of-the-season run. It's just a matter of finding that consistency, like you said. Offensively, too, the power was there this past week. Nine homers across the series. One bat in particular really stood out to me. Oswald Peraza at the top of the lineup hitting 529 over his last five games. A 600 on base percentage. I mean, just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, Peraza is such an important part of this team. And it's uh, one of the reasons why it's a, it's a bit concerning uh, considering how well that he played, that right now he is out of the lineup uh, because on Saturday he got hit by a pitch in his right hand. And uh, technically his uh, status right now, he's day-to-day with a finger contusion. So we're still awaiting more information, hoping that nothing's fractured, hoping that nothing, there's no significant damage uh, because we've seen what Peraza can do at the top of the lineup. Uh, but he always stands out. I mean, he had a 4-4 game, actually in a game that the Patriots lost. Uh, back in game, I believe it was game two of that doubleheader on Thursday, Peraza was four for four at the top of the order with three runs batted in, but Somerset lost that ball game seven to four. He had a big start to the series as well, uh, going three for five with a walk as well, reaching base four times. The thing about Peraza is that I, he does things quietly. I mean, you know, like you just turn around and you see that he's reached base four times in a game and nothing might stand out but he's just uh, a very quiet contributor. And, uh, you know, with how important he is as an everyday shortstop and a table setter at the top of the lineup, we're hoping that he can find his way back into the lineup. And additionally, to the potential future of the Yankees as well. I mean, we saw him get called up to the taxi, taxi squad a couple weeks ago. This is a very big-time Yankees prospect in the Patriots order. So we certainly see – Hope to see him a little bit more this week. Oswaldo Cabrera also continued with his uh, hot stroke, really all season, a pair of homers for him. Uh, A number of Patriots went deep this week, but were there any other bats that really stood out to you over these last six games, Mark? Yeah, so Cabrera had a couple of big moments, a couple of big uh, home runs uh, for Saturday night's ball game. You know, we were just talking about the importance of the Patriots finding a way to jump ahead and take control of a ball game. Well, um, well, I'm just going back. Well, so Cabrera back on Saturday night, 
after the Patriots uh, were scoreless through the first four innings, opened up the scoring with a three-run home run in the top of the fifth, and the Patriots carried that to a win. And then on Sunday, in such an important game that was going to decide whether Somerset was a half game back of Bowie or a game and a half up on Bowie, it was Cabrera who opened up the scoring again with a two-run home run. So, you know, the name of the game for the Patriots offensively this week were a couple, well, actually, in particular, four clutch home runs. It was those two from Cabrera. And then Dermis Garcia, once again, stood out as well. Not only with the power, he was drawing some walks and uh, was getting on base rather consistently. Only a 222 batting average, but a 391 on base percentage for the week. But Garcia had the go-ahead three-run home run on Tuesday night that capped off that six-run eighth inning and the 13-10 to 10 come from behind win. And then in game one of the doubleheader on Thursday, the only three runs the Patriots scored was on a two-out three-run home run from Dermis Garcia. So the way that the Bowie ballpark played was certainly, um, you know, to the benefit of the batters. There's a lot of home runs that series from both sides. So that's sort of shakes out well for Dermis Garcia. So he certainly stood out. And then uh, two other quick players to bring up. Uh, one, Chad Bell. Uh, he has started to play a lot better. Uh, had some big series, big games in this series. Uh, you know, he's towards the bottom of the order, and he's starting to contribute. And if he's able to do that, then that adds so much more depth to this lineup. Another name to bring up, Brandon Lockridge, has returned to the lineup. That is a significant return, especially if Oswald Peraza is going to miss any time at the top of the order. At least you have Brandon Lockridge that could step back in in that leadoff spot. Now, he struggled in his first two games. He went 0 for 8 from the plate including his second game where he struck out looking three times. Uh, in the last game on Sunday, he did go deep. He hit a two-run home run, his eighth home run uh, with the Patriots. Uh, he also drew a walk later in the game, but he did strike out three times. So Lockridge struggled a lot with, his, uh, with strikeouts in the series returning. It looked like he wasn't quite seeing the ball very well. Uh, five of, I believe, five of the six strikeouts that he had were looking. Uh, but he did have a home run. And it's going to be interesting to see how Lockridge fits in and uh, if he's able to return to what we saw from him when he first came up. He was getting on base at over a 400 clip and was hitting home runs as well as providing speed along the base pads. He's going to be an interesting guy to follow over the last two weeks. Well, we said going into the week the Patriots needed to take four of six. They did. So they now lead Bowie by a game and a half for that second place spot. Just two weeks left in the regular season when we come back on the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. We'll set the stage for next week, a pivotal series, Somerset taking on the Hartford Yard Goats. Discover the future you at Centenary University. Visit an upcoming virtual information session to learn more about flexible degree or certificate programs online or in person through Centenary Choice. Centenary offers small class sizes, individualized attention, thousands of dollars in scholarships, classes just for returning adults, and new programs including public health, computer science, supply chain management, and certified financial planning. Learn more about how you can earn your degree on your busy schedule. Centenary University. Discover the future you. At RWJ Barnabas Health, we have a passion for heart health. With the largest adult and pediatric cardiac surgery programs in the state, a heart transplant program that's top 15 in the nation, a partnership with Rutgers Health, the latest technology and medical advancements and nationally renowned care for every heart in every one of our communities. Whoever your heart beats for, our hearts beat for you. Let's be healthy together. Visit rwjbh.org heart. 
The Patriots with a six-game series against the Hartford Yard Goats begins tonight at 6.05. And Mark, for the first time all year, actually, this series is going to play out a little different uh, because of some of the damage done to TD Bank Ballpark. The first three games will be at Dunkin' Donuts Park in Hartford. The final three currently are scheduled to come back to Bridgewater uh, to close out the home portion of the regular season for Somerset. Of course, all six games were originally slated to be played here in Bridgewater. But let's set the, set the stage going into the week. Already mentioned the Patriots have that second playoff spot, a game and a half up on the Bowie Bay Sox. It's Akron not fully running away with things, but they've certainly continued to hold pace. And they are four games ahead of the Patriots. Right now, it's just kind of that three-team race. I mean, Portland was on the radar. They've fallen off a little bit, uh, just 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Uh, and Altoona, who we had a couple weeks ago had in the conversation, they've really dropped off. I mean, kind of completely out of the playoff picture. It seems as we head into this penultimate week of the regular season, it's just a three-team race. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at Akron as – almost locking down that top spot. I mean, you know, you mentioned that they're four games up. Going into that final series between Akron and Somerset, I'd be curious to see the Patriots get back within, say, two games if they're able to make up maybe two games on the Rubber Ducks this week. I mean, we'll get into Hartford in a second and what the kind of opportunity that going up against Hartford uh, sets for the Patriots the, uh, the Akron Rubber Ducks are on the road against the Richmond Flying Squirrels playing six. And, um, you know, Richmond at home, that's always a good ballpark, and they've won eight of their last ten ball games. So that's not necessarily going to be a cake week for the Rubber Ducks. So I'm, I'll be interested to see how that shakes out. Right now, of course, Somerset and Portland are the two teams that are battling it out, uh, a game and a half separating those teams. I do want to mention I wouldn't sleep on the Portland Sea Dogs because they've won four games in a row. And while Bowie is a game and a half behind the Patriots, Portland is only two games back of Somerset for that second playoff spot. Now, there is a big caveat with this um, because COVID-19 has actually been making its way through the league, unfortunately. The Binghamton Rumble Ponies had their entire last series against the Richmond Flying Squirrels canceled due to COVID-19. They had to follow COVID-19 protocols Uh, That outbreak was with Binghamton, not Richmond. Uh, So Richmond should still be fine for their upcoming series against Altoona. The Portland Sea Dogs were supposed to play a doubleheader on Sunday against the New Hampshire Fisher Cats in New Hampshire. That doubleheader was canceled uh, due to an outbreak within the Fisher Cats organization. So Portland had won four games in a row against New Hampshire going into a doubleheader on Sunday where they could have made up more games on Somerset, and they didn't have that opportunity. Those games have been canceled. They have not been rescheduled. So Portland will only play, right now, 118 games for the entirety of the season. That's one fewer than the Patriots. So for a team that's looking to gain ground, you can make an argument that actually hurts Portland because there's less opportunities for them to win games. Now, what will be interesting to see, and we record this on Tuesday morning, is whether Portland has their upcoming series where they are playing against the Binghamton Rumble Ponies affected at all. Portland's hosting. Binghamton just had their entire last week canceled due to COVID-19. If any of those games 
in this series are canceled, if they're not able to play, and I haven't seen anything um, as of the recording of this broadcast, um, you know, check again to see if anything's changed. But if they're not able to play those games, then the Sea Dogs are going to have fewer opportunities to come from behind and make up some ground. Now, they do finish the season against the Hartford Yard Goats. Uh, so there will be an opportunity for them to eventually make this comeback uh, because Hartford is a team that's struggling. But uh, I, so I wouldn't sit on Portland, but at this point, it's, um, you know, we'll have to see how many games they wind up playing. But it, it, it really does feel like it's going to come down to Somerset and Bowie for that second spot and most likely Akron for that top spot. I think it's also important to note that Bowie team, a game and a half back, they play seven this week. They're making up a game against the Harrisburg Senators. That's the uh, one game that they sit behind the Patriots uh, in that category there as well. So a chance for Bowie to get an additional win uh, under their belts. Yeah, one uh, one slight update. That's absolutely right. And Bowie will play a doubleheader there last week of the season um, as well at home against the Altoona Curve. So. Uh, Bowie actually has two more games than Somerset the rest of the way. I am looking at the uh, Binghamton Rumble Ponies uh, Twitter account right now, and it looks like the games between Binghamton and Portland for Tuesday and for Wednesday um, up in Portland have both been canceled. So those are two more games that Portland's losing out on. Um, and the, uh, the official release says they've been canceled to allow for additional testing and contact tracing of members of the Binghamton Rumble Ponies organization. So the issue right now is with Binghamton. And that's unfortunate for Portland uh, because it seems like they're doing everything right and they're missing out on games against teams with below 500 records to try to work their way back. So we'll keep our eyes on that. I think it's also really important that we clarify cancel, not rescheduled nor postponed. These games have been canceled, so they will not be made up. Uh, in these final few weeks of the regular season. Let's turn to this Hartford Yard Goats team. Uh, Somerset saw them at the end of May. It was their lone uh, sweep of the season of a team. And we really saw, recalling that series, Dermis Garcia got going. That was one of his best stretches of the year. And it spurred a huge Somerset uh, win streak as well. For Hartford, it's been a pretty down year all, uh, all across the board. Yeah, it has. I mean, they have the worst record overall in the league. Uh, I believe they're like 33, 34 games below 500. I was looking at their schedule earlier today and sort of the teams that they've played against. And, you know, it's the worst record in the league against probably one of the weakest schedules as well, which kind of compounds how poorly they've played. You know, they have had a couple of series against Richmond. They have had a couple of series against Bowie. Um, so there have been some sprinkled in tougher opponents, but I mean, by and large, it's against Binghamton, it's against New Hampshire, it's against Portland, uh, it's against Reading, this, uh, this whole season for Hartford. Now, you know, they have played close to 500 baseball over the last couple of weeks, but Brandon, you mentioned it. I mean, we can go back to, um, that first series between Somerset and Hartford all the way back. I mean, it feels like it was a different lifetime, uh, earlier this season back in May. And that was on the road. That was a six-game series at Dunkin' Donuts Park against Hartford. And the Patriots swept that series. There were some massive performances that week. I mean, that was the week where we saw some of those new players start to file in, like a Max Burt, like an Aaron Polensky, uh, starting to get more playing time. Matt Pita played in five games that week. But you mentioned Dermis Garcia. He stood out. 
He had 385 that week with four home runs and 10 RBI. Burt had a strong week, a lot of home runs um, across the board that week. I mean, all of those games felt pretty lopsided, honestly. I think there was one or two games that were relatively close. Dermis had a late home run on one of them. Um, but by and large, the Patriots ran away from that series. And I'm sure we're going to look closer at the Hartford roster in a moment. But, uh, you know, the way this series shapes up, we've been talking about it. Uh, to put it bluntly, this week is an opportunity for Somerset to eat. They have the game and a half lead on Bowie. This is an opportunity for them to eat, to take five of six and try to go into that tough last week of the season against Akron with a little bit more of a cushion so that if they split that rubber duck series, that they should still be in a good position to get into the playoffs. You almost feel like, especially with the games that Bowie is making up this week and then the following week, it's, it's almost like, okay, we've been saying four of six the whole way, but you match Bowie's additional games with Hartford's struggles, and it kind of feels like Somerset needs to take five of six this week. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're saying. It's, it's a combination of trying to get into the playoffs and recognizing the opponent that you're playing. So taking five of six, I mean, look, Bowie's got seven games against Harrisburg this, this week. Harrisburg has the second worst record in the league, uh, you know, better than only Hartford. So there's an opportunity for the Bay Sox to increase and, you know, and get better. I will say one thing about Bowie. They just lost Kyle Stowers one of their significant players. He was transferred up to AAA Norfolk um, after the series against Somerset. So that's a significant loss for them. They're kind of looking for, to, to fill his shoes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, taking five of six against Hartford, I think would set up the Patriots in a position where they could potentially go into that last series of the season, even up two games, which means if you're up two games and you split that, you know, that six-game series in Akron, then Bowie has to take at least five of six in that last week, and they're home hosting the Altoona Curve, who have struggled lately, but we know that they have good bats, and that there's certainly opportunities for them to put up strong games. So if you go into that last series up two, which means that you take five of six this week and you gain a half game on Bowie in the process, then you split that final week in Akron and you're in the playoffs. So I think that's what we're looking at. As we take a little bit of a closer look at the Yard Goats roster, Elioris Montero, who is one of their top players when we saw them at the end of May, just recently at the start of September, got called up to AAA Albuquerque, so he's not there. Michael Tolia is with the team. He just recently got the call up. They also have Jamison Hanna, a name that stood out to us in the series. Uh, And then one other name that jumps off the page to me is Carl Kaufman, a guy that uh, out of Michigan, we saw him get called up during the series, and he got hit really hard. That has not changed for the left-hander, just 1-10 in in ERA near 8. So there are some prospects on this team, but all in all, they just have not been able to put it together this season. No, they haven't. I mean, their team batting average is 228. Their team ERA is 537. Pretty consistently around the, uh, across the year, they've had the highest team batting average against. Right now it stands at 288. Uh, just uh, on the other side of the coin, the Patriots team batting average against is like 212 or something at the bottom of the uh, at the bottom of all the minor league baseball. So the stats, in terms of just pitching stats for a second, are pretty much you know, they're inverse, right? Hartford's towards the bottom of the barrel in basically all statistical categories for team pitching. Somerset's towards the top. And then from a hitting standpoint, the names that were producing for the Yard Goats, you mentioned Eliuris Montero. 
There was uh, Taylor Snyder, who was towards the top of the league in home runs and RBI for a while. He's no longer uh, with the yard goats. So some of their big time contributors, Coco Montez, Sean Bouchard, um, you know, those, those are the names. Jameson Hanna, but Hanna's hitting 264 on the year, just three home runs, 15 RBI, does have 11 stolen bases. There's really nobody that stands out. Even uh, Toglio, who you just mentioned, you know, 29 games, he's hitting 204. So, you know, we don't want to put it so bluntly to say that there's nobody to worry about on this Hartford Yard Goats team. Um, but this is a series where if Somerset doesn't take five of six, if they lose two games, and now, you know, we'll get into in our next segment this current situation of TD Bank Ballpark and the effects that all the flooding could have on this team. Um, which we don't want to undervalue because that is significant. Um, but if the Patriots drop two games of this series, that would be a pretty significant um, disappointment. Somerset opens things up tonight in Hartford, Connecticut. The first three games are in Hartford. They are all slated to start at 6.05, and then we hope the team returns home to Bridgewater to play Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. As of right now, Friday, Saturday, 7.05 starts Sunday at 1.05, and all the coverage, of course, as always, will be on 1450 WCTC and WCTCAM.com. But that's not it for the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. When we come back, a little update on the ballpark and where we're at. That's all coming up next. Green Knoll Golf Course, located in Bridgewater Township and less than five minutes from Route 22, is the original Somerset County Park Commission course. Since 1960, golfers have enjoyed the rolling layout with slight elevation changes throughout the course. Green Knoll Golf Course also features a nine-hole pitch and putt course with holes ranging from 40 to 100 yards. Call 908-722-1301 or visit greennollgolf.com to book a tee time today. Well, Mark, much of the Northeast was impacted by the remnants of Hurricane Ida and Bridgewater, New Jersey, and the surrounding area was no exception Wednesday night into Thursday morning. Much of the area ravaged. Um, I can tell you from firsthand experience on Thursday morning, driving around, I was trying to get to the ballpark from Hillsboro about 20 minutes away, and I couldn't get here. Uh, most of Manville was flooded. I've heard Boundbrook was flooded, and the amount of just cars left on the side of the road was somewhat unbelievable, kind of out of a movie. Uh, let's talk a little more about the ballpark here, as I'm sure so many of you have seen on social media, uh, whether it's been put out by the Patriots or NJ.com, had a pretty jarring uh, drone footage of the ballpark while it was still flooded. Much of the ballpark was flooded, uh, water coming up, nearly to the lower concourse here, covering the dugouts in full. But there are a lot of positives. By Thursday, the water had receded. Uh, the front office and clubhouses are in really good shape. There was very limited water that got through uh, down there. And there has been a ton of work put into this field already, a tip of the cap to uh, certainly all of our coworkers who spent some of the weekend here, Dan Perner, the hedge groundkeeper at the ballpark, really leading the charge. Some damage, 
but relatively limited for, I think, what it could have been. So I know the feeling in the front office is that there's a, a real hope and a possibility, probably a good chance, that we host the final three games of this series over the weekend. Yeah, I, um, I want to echo those sentiments. Um, I also want to give a shout out to uh, our vice president of operations, Brian Awicki, who has had to take control not only of a lot of the, the work on the field, though that's mostly Dan Perner's domain, but also assessing all of the damage that was done off the field and in our storage units. And I know our senior director of merchandise, uh, Rob Crossman, has to examine a lot of you know our storage areas where we keep our promo items and our all of our merchandise and, and stuff like that. So there's you know there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and also our our president general manager Patrick McBerry, who's had to deal with a lot of that. I mean, there's been a ton going into this season. And, uh, you know, for this at the end of the year uh, has been a ton that's been put on his plate. So everyone's working tirelessly, extra hours to try to get that ballpark ready. It's not an ideal situation by any means, but if there is a Somerset Patriots front office, or if, I should say if there's a minor league front office and a minor league grounds crew that is equipped to handle something like this, it is the Somerset Patriots and it is, you know, Dan Perner's grounds crew. I mean, there's been two other hurricanes that have caused similar flooding in the ballpark's history, going back to the late 90s with Hurricane Floyd and in 2011 with Hurricane Irene as well. So unfortunately, uh, this isn't the first time that something like this has happened. Uh, it, it is quite jarring when you see those videos, um, but I mean, our fans can tell by some of the pictures and videos that we've put out on our social accounts over the last couple of days that um, the work has been large, but the work has been, uh, it's been coming together and the ballpark's looking really good. I also want to uh, just briefly bring up, you know, I know a lot of the players were affected by this flooding as well. And uh, just for our fans to understand, uh, in minor league baseball, uh, oftentimes players keep a, a majority of their uh, personal, you know, items in their cars because turnover can be so out of the blue in minor league baseball where you're getting transferred from one level to another level or you've been traded or you know there's another transaction that takes place where you have to be basically at the ready when you get back to hop in a car and take everything with you so when these guys go on the road there's very little that they're leaving in their hotel or wherever they're staying when they're home, most of it is staying in their car so that they're ready to go if anything, if anything happens. So to see the, the flooding extend beyond just the ballpark and into the parking lot as well, where a lot of um, the players and some of our coaching staff as well, our training staff, um, a lot of them were, were really um, severely affected by, by this flooding as well. So I know that there's been some efforts uh, from outside organizations like the Adopt a Minor League Baseball Player Twitter account that has done some great work. Uh, Jason LaConforta uh, was down in uh, Bowie, and he was helping out with some of the players as well for both Bowie and for Somerset. Uh, so there are some efforts, um, and, and that's certainly been great to see. But I don't, I, I don't want to gloss over uh, the effect that the flooding has had on the players. Uh, we're hoping for nothing but the best from them. Um, we'll get an update probably later today once we're back up in Hartford. Um, to see how every, everyone's getting through this. But it, it's been a, a really, really rough time for a lot of people. But the work continues. Uh, we're proud of the, the work that our, our coworkers with the Somerset Patriots have done to get the ballpark ready. And fingers crossed, we're hoping um, that, that we'll be ready to go to finish off this series at home Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. 
as I was pulling into the ballpark this morning, the bus was coming in uh, with the team coming in from Bowie, and uh, it was my first time back at the park since the flooding. Obviously, it was the players' first time back as well. Uh, as you mentioned, anyone that left a car in the parking lot, which is a large, large majority of the team, uh, they've lost their cars, uh, quite frankly. And, and as you mentioned, a lot of their personal belongings as well. So if anyone can contribute to some of those outside organizations, please uh, do so because these guys, while they're living out their dreams, uh, they also have a lot of bills to pay and, and it's no easy way uh, to go about things. To kind of wrap this up on a positive note, as I look out at the field right now while we record on Tuesday morning, the grass is green. The uh, outfield wall, which took some damage, is currently being repaired. And all things considered, the ballpark looks great. So there's some work being done in the dugouts as well. I think both benches were taken out, but that, that's being fixed up. All things considered, though, I think things are really positive and it's shaping up if everything continues on this trajectory to host the final three games against the Hartford Yard Goats this weekend. But uh, that's kind of where we'll leave things here. The podcast not done yet when we come back to the Patriots and uh, Pinstripes podcast. We'll take a look around the rest of the Yankees minor league organizations. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, they've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank NA. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey health plans have the benefits you need. Telemedicine, so you can see a doctor anytime, anywhere. Mental health professionals available 24-7. Virtual ID cards and more on your phone. We'll help you find the plan that covers it all. Because everyone should feel like someone has their back. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is here when you need us most. Now and always. All right, everybody, as we always do, we'll end this week's episode on the Farm Report. Heading into the final three weeks of the season, the Tampa Tarpons had a five-game lead over the Bradenton Marauders entering play this week. The Tarpons were on the road taking on Bradenton, the low-A affiliate of the Pittsburgh Pirates, at Lecom Park. Bradenton took the opener of the series by a 19-7 final on Tuesday, and then after a rainout on Wednesday, Bradenton came back with a 9-6 win on Thursday, heading into a doubleheader on Friday. The first game was won by Bradenton 3-1, and the Marauders inched to within two games of Tampa. But the Tarpons won game two 4-1, and then took the Saturday contest 6-4, and enter play on Sunday with a four-game lead over the Marauders. Game two of Friday's doubleheader was headlined by a great performance by Blaine Abeda, who went six innings, allowed no runs on just one hit, and struck out nine. A non-drafted free agent signee by the Yankees in 2020, Abeda's in his first professional season out of Nevada. With Tampa this year, he's 5-2 with a 4.68 ERA, but has turned in some really strong performances as of late. 
on Saturday, Anthony Garcia hit two home runs for the Tarpons and is hitting 412 for the week with four long balls and seven runs batted in. His OPS is over 1,600 in the current series with Bradenton. The Tarpons and Marauders wrap up their series this afternoon at 1.05 p.m. It's Tyrone Uli on the mound for Tampa. After the day off on Monday, Tampa returns home to Steinbrenner Field on Tuesday for its final home series of the season, taking on the Dunedin Blue Jays this week before wrapping up the season on the road at Fort Myers. With this look at the Tampa Tarpons, I'm Joe Vasile. It's safe to say the Hudson Valley Renegades are in no rush to visit the souvenir shops in North Carolina. After a split of their series in Winston-Salem, the Gades shifted a half hour east on I-40 to Greensboro. The Grasshoppers, an affiliate of the Pittsburgh Pirates, opened the week with a half-game lead on Hudson Valley for the second playoff spot in High A East. A seesaw battle on Tuesday night seemed to be in the favor of the Renegades, especially after Hudson Valley got home runs in the ninth inning from Pat DeMarco and Eduardo Torrealba to grab a 7-5 lead. But Nick Gonzalez hit a grand slam in the bottom of the ninth for a 9-7 Hoppers win. Gonzalez was in the midst of a five-home run, 15-RBI outburst over two games. The remnants of Hurricane Ida wiped out Wednesday, setting up a doubleheader on Thursday. In Game 1, the Hoppers erased a 4-1 Renegades lead, capped by an 8-run explosion in the 6th inning for a 10-7 win. Anthony Volpe, Austin Wells, and Elijah Dunham homered in the loss. In the nightcap, the Hudson Valley bats fell silent as Mitch Spence allowed two runs over five in a 2-0 Hoppers win. Andres Chaparro homered on Friday night, but the Renegades left the tying and go-ahead runs on base in the ninth inning to fall 3-2. Chaparro is hitting 353 with three home runs and six RBIs over his last 10 games. The team that had not lost a series this year lost their fifth straight on Saturday, a season high, as the Hoppers beat the Renegades 8-4. Heading into Sunday, the Renegades are 3-8 on their North Carolina swing and now sit five and a half games back of Greensboro in the playoff race. Bowling Green retains a five-game lead on the Hoppers for the top spot in the High East playoff chase. After Sunday, the Renegades return to Dutchess Stadium for the final two weeks of the season. Up first will be the Brooklyn Cyclones on Tuesday night. That's your Renegades recap. I'm Rob Adams. Heading into play on Sunday, Scranton Wilkesbury's lost eight consecutive games, their longest slide since becoming a New York Yankees affiliate in 2007. A 9-8 loss on the 28th at Lehigh Valley in 12 innings. 10-5 on Sunday the 29th. Swept in a doubleheader by Buffalo on August 31st. Then losses of 5-3, 1-0, and two doubleheader defeats on Saturday, 8-4 and 6-2. For Rail Riders manager Doug Davis, how to break out of this skid is both simple and complex. Just play better. Play better baseball. When you go out there night after night and you just constantly feel like you're kind of behind the eight ball, I mean, they're overmatching us right now, uh, you know, for the most part. Uh, but you got to find a way to fight and claw your way out of it. I mean, the only way that it's going to happen is that everybody in the clubhouse, you know, as a group does that. And, and I fully aware, I mean, believe they will. You go through spurts like this. I'm not sure why, you know, why it all of a sudden happened. I think it was a perfect storm. I mean, we're playing, a, I think, a, the best team we've seen all year. This series with Buffalo marks just the third set between the teams this year, and they haven't squared off since early to mid-June. 
I, I think on top of the fact that Buffalo's got a very good pitching staff, we haven't seen these guys, so we don't have anything to go on. You, you look at Lehigh Valley, and we have a lot of success against them. Well, we've we've seen them going on 50 times this year, uh, so we're very familiar and comfortable with that staff. These guys, we aren't. One game left in the Bison series. We stay in town after an off day Monday to take on the Rochester Red Wings beginning Tuesday night at 7.05. With the Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. So Somerset, another important series, the penultimate of this regular season in what has shaped up to be a pretty wacky and wild 2021 this week. No exception. The first three games will start at 6.05 in Hartford. The final three games as of right now are slated to come back to Bridgewater 7.05 on Friday and Saturday night and a 1.05 start on Sunday. We certainly hope to see everybody here at the ballpark. You can get your tickets for the fi- those final three games at somersetpatriots.com. But that'll do it for this week's Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. For Mark Schwartz, I'm Brandon Pelter saying so long and enjoy the week. Thank you for listening to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Each episode is aired on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC, and WCTCAM.com with online versions made available on podcast streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Please consider giving us a five-star rating if you enjoy the show. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.